0: IVM.
1: Okay, welcome to the conversations at Takshashila. Uh, Today I have with me a full house at our studio. We have uh, Manoj Kevalramani, Nitin Pai, General Prakash Menon and myself Pranay. So today the biggest news at sort of doing the rounds is about the trade negotiations which are going to take place between the US and China in Washington DC. And there's a lot of tech angle to it of of this trade war as well. And, you know, this is almost geopolitics which is playing out at the technology level. So let's discuss that. Manoj, what do you have to say about this? Hi, yeah, um, this is... So the technology aspect of this is the most sort of...
2: is the trickiest and the most complex aspect of it. Um, It's what's going to mean that... This continues for a very, very long time. Um, The conversation that's going to happen today is going to revolve around trade and the Chinese buying more American goods um, and promising certain structural changes, uh, which has some impact on technology. Uh, But otherwise promising changes like changes to the foreign investment law, um, improved intellectual property rights protection and all those sorts of things. Um, Again, these are sort of changes which are going to be coming in the future. So it's about um, what can you, how do you verify these? How do you ensure that some of these changes actually take place and make a difference? Um, So that's what's going to happen today in D.C. Um, I am not very optimistic of any sort of concrete deal coming out of any of these meetings at the moment. Um, But the technology aspect of it is what is the sharper competition. Um, We've seen that um, the U.S. has formally put in a request for the extradition of Meng Wanzhou, um, who is Huawei's CFO. Um, The indictment that the U.S. put out uh, of Huawei uh, was extremely critical. And it sort of, it lays out this big, broad contest that's coming up because they're talking about uh, um, structurally Huawei incentivizing uh, s- uh, people ste- their employees stealing technology um, the idea of blocking Huawei from the five eyes countries mm. um, and the infrastructure upgrades that are going to happen the 5G infrastructure um, that is where the real sort of game is going to happen and that's going to be a long term process.
1: Yeah. So Nitin let's discuss this point uh, in greater detail. What exactly is at stake here with respect to the 5G infrastructure which is coming in place and why is the US and Huawei deal sort of you know becoming more acrimonious now?
3: I think what's happened is uh, people have come to realize that the 5G the 5th generation uh, network uh, is going to be a revolutionary update of the internet Mm. it's not just a new generation of mobile telecommunications as we saw in 3rd generation I mean all the way from 1, 2, 3 and Mm. 4G this is going to be an upgrade and a change in the way the internet is structured, right? Because it's going to bring internet of things and, yeah. uh, and so forth. And it's also the way this, o- the network is going to operate. In other words, the network, op- uh, a lot of automation, the way the network is upgraded, the rules of uh, the game uh, change according uh, almost automatically, uh, which used to be a uh, lot more of it was manual in the past, which means that uh, whoever, uh, is able to uh, control the 5G market is going to have a big say in how the future of the internet is going to play out. Americans have realized this. And I think the the uh, the uh, massive action against Huawei is a late realization of this fact. I think they were realizing that this is going to happen. But now that the uh, 5G uh, networks are going to be rolled out in the next few months in many countries… Mm-hmm. Uh, the alarm bells have started ringing. So they've started acting against Huawei. But I think we should look at this action against Huawei in the context of a larger game. You know, a lot of us here, including in this room, we've been looking at this Belt and Road initiative as something which is about ports and railways and uh, dumb infrastructure and some, dumb infrastructure yeah. or the physical infrastructure of the past. Yeah. It is that. Hmm. We've been also saying that, look, what does it make sense for them to build a uh port out in nowhere in some part of Eastern mm-hmm. Europe and all of that, Wh- which is true. Those facts remain. But I think what we've not looked at as part of this whole Belt and Road initiative is what they call the digital Silk Road. Mm-hmm. And I think that little plan encapsulates a Chinese uh, ambition to take over the internet.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, I don't think they'll be able to take over the internet in itself, right? But they might be in a position to dominate a large part of the internet and create a sphere of influence, which is uh, dominated by China, Hmm. the Chinese sphere of influence on the internet. And because the 21st century is going to, I mean, it's an information age. This is what matters more. Hmm. Because, you know, I like to look at it as, uh, what is the, what is the advantage that accrues to uh, England and the United States, Hmm. because of most of the world speaks English? carries out bigness in English. There are necessary advantages. Mm -hmm. I think China is trying to aim at similar advantages in the network space Mm -hmm. where the, the information space, the equipment technology, use Chinese equipment, use Chinese networks, use Chinese protocols, choose Chinese standards. And regardless of who actually produces the equipment, ultimately, you know, China benefits. At a very strategic level. And I mm. think that's what they're trying to do. Mm. And and I think the, what the US is trying to do now is to prevent that outcome from coming about. Mm. Because Huawei is already the largest uh, telecom equipment manufacturer in the world. And they're the only guys who, have, who saw increasing market share in the last couple of years also. Right? So China has the technological, economic, and political power to go there. One thing, if China comes to a small country, and says, look, here's million dollars in foreign aid, uh, which we are going to give it to you as part of the Belt and Road Initiative. You can use this money to buy, to set up your information infrastructure, mm. uh, which you, you know, basically, this is a line of credit against buying of Chinese equipment. And Huawei and ZTE and all the Chinese manufacturers are there. So you install your uh, 5G network using this money, mm. and you pay us back in good time. Mm. Now, China has achieved many uh, goals at one shot. You, you know, it's been able to... Uh, bring a foreign country into its sphere of influence politically. Hmm. Uh, the economics might even create a debt trap. More importantly, the network becomes a Chinese plant.
1: So what advantage, would they be able to weaponize this, for example? Is that a kind of what? I threat, think or
3: weaponizing is a way too distant kind of a thing. I think in strategic terms, it's about acquiring power over a certain sphere. And what you do with this power is is matter of strategy. You could use it coercively. You can use it as an inducement. You can use it to deter mm. uh, some other g- big power from uh, in your sphere of influence and so on. Mm. Weaponization is, I would think, even in Chinese terms, it's a failure of strategy. Mm. If you have to fight a war, mm. that means your strategy has failed. Mm. That's Sun Tzu.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's also a political advantage. It's straightforward. Your narrative becomes more dominant. Um, if in Af- if in countries of Africa where it's uh, your companies which is which are building all this infrastructure and your models of uh, internet governance are followed, which essentially means certain sensitive things sensitive things get set, uh, censored, um, it gives better control options for governments in these countries. Um, and as governments seek to control more, uh, while you have a cozy relationship with that government, I mean it keeps you. Uh, your political relationship steady. It keeps a certain bent of government which will be more favorable to you as opposed to the West in that country, mm. um, and it gives a certain control over the entire narrative.
3: Yeah, and I just want to uh, say one little thing: the internet, no technology I- is uh, immune from an ideology traveling on it.
0: Yeah.
3: Mm. Uh, I'm not putting it very nicely, but if you look at the uh, if you look at the internet, the ideology which has traveled on it over the last 20 to 30 years is freedom. Libertarianism has been traveling on the internet. Now, dominating the internet in the way China has done into, into in terms of its rules of the game, in terms of surveillance technology, social credit and so on, has created a mechanism for authoritarianism to also travel on the new, uh, uh, new internet. And that's what we have to be very cautious of.
0: But, you know, uh, I would think that what we are actually witnessing is already part of an ongoing struggle. And now we are witnessing the struggle about the domination in cyberspace. And that's where 5G actually comes in, where China seems to enjoy an advantage because it seems to be cheaper. It seems to be telling people that this will be economically much more viable to you. But the potential of this control, of the ability of China to be able to dominate is therefore something which should concern every country which is likely... When things go wrong, where coercive power can be used, because cyber today allows you the ability to exploit your vulnerabilities, because all your systems are running on it, and if you control that, and you definitely has a certain potential for coercion, you need not look at it that the Chinese are doing it for that, but as they do it, that potential for coercion exists, and they control it. So, I think what countries will have to watch out for is, would you want to give that con- that amount of control to China? Hmm. Hmm. Right. That's the question I think which countries should ask themselves.
1: Right. right. So, uh, we'll come to the India angle towards the end. But I want to ask the three of you, specifically about this relationship between Huawei and the Chinese government. Nitin, I remember you did an article. This. I don't think I don't know there where subject. the daylight ends, yeah. you know, whether there's yeah. daylight between the two. Yeah.
3: I don't know where Huawei ends and the Chinese government starts and the other yeah. way around. So, and uh, and yeah. under Xi Jinping, even the pretense of uh, separating the private enterprise from party control, from government ownership is gone. So there's no, I don't think it makes sense to see uh, these entities any separate. Mm. We have to assume for all practical purposes that it is a government-funded, party-controlled private enterprise.
0: But, I, I, you know, I, I don't think this is only peculiar to China itself. Mm-hmm. Because the Americans can actually easily do it. Actually, although they might they might seem from the outside that they don't use their private enterprise for national security purposes. They certainly do. So any country would actually do it. The question is not that you know, I, I think when you look at it strategically, the idea of saying that no, these guys are private players, so they won't have any influence with in government, whether it is with the China or whether it's with any with America, mm-hmm. it would really for a strategic planner on the other side, you have to assume that they are one. Mm-hmm. that because all this is going to affect you when things get bad. And when things get bad, there's nothing stopping the government of a country from using a private entity for for strategic purposes. I don't think that's...
2: I think the difference probably with the Chinese is that they, you don't need to wait for things to get back. Yeah, The, linkages, yeah, right. the linkage is so deep. It's already deep. there. It is so deep. Uh, <laughs> and it's also sort of... Uh, why it's also in some ways troubling is that... Uh, uh, there is a transfer of data that can happen very easily. There is transfer of expertise from one company to the other company with the government acting as a conduit. Um, and that again, in, in an American context, in a Western context, because of competition between enterprises is far more difficult in a Chinese context. since everything is so linked with the mm-hmm. government at the heart of it or the party at the heart of it, that some of this transfer of data can happen quite easily. Right. So while you might be cooperating in one area, um, Uh, while while you might be competing in another, so like you might be cooperating in 5G, but you might be competing on, say, autonomous vehicle technology, the transfer of data will happen fairly seamlessly, uh, if not entirely seamlessly, but it will happen more or less. And that is probably going to be far more difficult in the Chinese context.
3: Manoj, you remember something happened with Tencent. What's what's the Tencent angle? Tencent ran fall of the Chinese government.
2: Yeah, so last year, uh, it ran fall. Again, this is a lot of this is... uh, there's no real reason, but uh, from the official reasoning is that uh, the gaming industry took a hit because regulators decided that it was creating social problems, given that lots of children were involved, getting addicted, and it was creating issues. Um, and therefore, there was this crackdown on gaming with uh, real name registration, uh, with, registra- with uh, limitations of the number of hours that you could use these products. Um, and there wasn't a clear decision for months on end, while the regulators sort of cracked down on this, on the use of gaming and Tencent had certain games which was about supposed to come out which is sort of breakthrough games for them they wouldn't get the license permit to get these games out and that led to the stock price sort of tumbling because gaming is their biggest part it's the biggest part of their portfolio um, months later Tencent sort of had their own sort of policies where they would start using facial recognition and other technology to try and monitor how much ta- how much time children spent on their phones and how much time children spent playing these games um, and that sort of eased some of this now my sense is that a lot of this is shadow boxing at elite level, uh, which is leading to Tencent suffering. Um, because Tencent is still, at a, if you look at it at a government level, it's still an important player for them on many fronts. So it's a company that's going to survive. It's a company that's going to thrive. But it's dipping fortunes in the last year, particularly, were a product of elite shadow boxing. Um, so that's what's happened with Tencent the last that's
3: year. That's the thing which worries you. Because you don't know the opacities. You don't know who's... Uh, Tencent's patron within absolutely. the system. Mm. You know who's Huawei's patron within absolutely. the system. Mm. And what happens to this company when the patrons uh, fall out of favor or come to power or... No, absolutely. So
2: and even if they don't fall out of favor, it's just about... Uh, I mean, I was just in China recently and I was hearing about celebrities struggling on uh, on account of tax evasion. Mm. Um, and some of the interlocutors who I was talking to, what they were telling me was that uh, uh, when you look at a celebrity, what you need to identify is who is his or her patron. Hmm. Um, and then you need to identify who is challenging that patron. Hmm. And if the celebrity is then struggling because of tax evasion, because everybody's evaded taxes. But if that particular celebrity is struggling, then it's probably a barb against the patron. It's a power struggle at a far higher level.
1: Guanxi power struggle. Yes. Connection struggling against each other. Okay, then now let's get back to the question that concerns all of us. So how should India be thinking about Huawei? Now, remember, there is a huge consumer surplus that has been generated because of cheap Chinese phones in India. So not all of this has been uh, hurtful to us, right? It's given great benefits. So what should India's stance be? How do you people look at that? Nitin?
3: You know, if you ask me, uh, I have to split two parts of my personality, right? I have Mm to split my free market, uh, Mm -hmm. market liberal who says that uh it's good to uh, have competition it's good to have uh, not to make any distinctions between vendors uh let the uh, let cheap phones and uh, i have even written mm-hmm. about an article about this for, uh, for the ken to so let the uh, let the chinese subsidize our phones so uh, if our teledensity increases because of chinese subsidies is wonderful we should mm-hmm. send them a thank you note right so modems and phones and so on uh and even in the same thing you you, you it ought to apply even in the telecom network market mm-hmm. so that's what my my market liberal brain says but my uh, in, uh, my realist, uh, geopolitical realist brain says that, look, uh, this is not normal, right? Huawei, as we discussed, we don't know where Huawei stops and the Chinese Communist Party starts and mm-hmm. the People's Republic of China starts. So we are not dealing with a innocuous market player. We are mm-hmm. dealing with a state which has a uh, telecom equipment front. So in which case, I think the question really arises is, do you, as General Menon said, Do you want to be buying equipment from this person? Do you want this person to have uh, ability to coerce you? Even if there is no, uh, for example, uh, cyber uh, espionage or surveillance and data filtration, uh, industrial espionage, even if none of that is there. Do you want to give a strategic coercive capability to an adversary like China? And I use the word adversary because… We were talking about it recently, right? We know that half dozen intelligence agencies are perhaps spying on your email. We have to assume that Mm -hmm. half dozen of them are doing it. Maybe the Americans are doing it and some European countries are doing it and the Chinese are doing it too. So, who do I want them to read my email? If all of them are going to read my email, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm more concerned about the Chinese reading my email because we have massive geopolitical outstanding problems with with China. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an unsettled uh, frontier... We have uh, the Chinese recognition of uh, territory, which uh, is which, which is Indian territory, which Pakistan had uh, which occupies. We have uh, Chinese encroachments uh, in the South China Sea. We have uh, issues in the Indian Ocean and so forth. Hmm. So uh, we have problems. We have outstanding problems with these guys. So uh, in that sense, they would be a geopolitical adversary. So it doesn't make sense for us to uh, to support a geopolitical adversary just because. Uh, you know all foreign powers are going to be spying on us anyway right so there's a difference between uh, the chinese uh, ability to spy on our email and read our email and that of the others and right. the, because from a geopolitical dimension mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what i would think is that at a strategic level if the world is going to, the, if the internet world is going to be split into two or more sides mm-hmm. we should not be in the side where china is okay mm-hmm. precisely for this reason mm-hmm right? And the onus on fixing this is with China. I mean, if if they want us to be on their side, they've got to make some big changes into their uh, worldview and their uh, foreign policy with respect to us. Then things might change. I don't see those changes coming. So, until that time, we should not be in the same part of the sphere of uh, cyberspace as China.
2: Hmm.
3: What this would mean in practice, if you want to harmonize the left side of my brain and the right side of my brain, I would say that, look, Let's go and uh, be open to Chinese uh, smartphones and Chinese modems and, uh, you know, uh, local networking equipment and so on, which consumers and small enterprises use. But let's not let Chinese technology and standards come into the core network infrastructure. Mm. These are the equipment which the uh, telecom uh, providers use, the ISPs use, big corporations use in their backbones or the government uses. Certainly not in government, certainly not in defense. But in the edge of the network where, you know, uh, people want can buy cheap phones manufactured in China by Huawei and ZT and the others, why not?
0: So the question is actually of taking a, a strategic decision, which is, this is not a choice about what is economically going to be. Because uh, as yeah, it's Nitin, not an accounting decision. It's yet, not okay. at all. I mean, you can't look at it from that point. And as Nathan said, the point is that uh, geopolitically is a potential adversary. Uh, therefore, why would you hand over your, and, and cyberspace is actually the space in which there would be a struggle for domination. That's mm-hmm. natural. Mm-hmm. Why would you hand over the keys of your assets, cyber assets to somebody who is likely to be your adversary? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. The question is, do we have an alternate? And I think the alternative probably is, is there in the sense that it's not that we actually can buy equipment from the West or from the US and expect that they won't look at us. The point is which is from a purely from the point of view of securing ourselves, which is a better choice. And that, that choice is therefore strategically points towards the fact that we should look at it from the West. Yes, we don't have to completely ban Huawei. And, and technically, you'll have to assess as to what you can let them do and yet preserve your concerns. Mm. That will have to be a technical assessment. But uh, we have to be certainly be cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of potential here because we are now moving into another uh, level of technology, is 5G, which is actually one, which is at the moment... Uh, uh, Indian private enterprises and Indian government institutions would uh, find it actually uh, quite tempting to buy from Huawei. Mm. So I I don't think this decision can rest with these institutions. It has to rest at the highest level, which is the Cabinet Committee on Security. They have to take this
1: decision. And we are already seeing this debate taking place. There was just one news article in Business Insider, right, where there were arguments being made that India needs Huawei more than anyone else. Yeah, they were smelling kind of sm-
3: smoking right? some very strong stuff. They
1: <laughs> 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 are very small, very strong So stuff. They, uh, it's already been conceded in the eyes of some that it's already Yeah, indeed, it, it said that you're you
0: you are so far ahead you can't actually now step back. Hmm. I think that's, I think, that's
2: uh, I think that is one thing that we should be really wary about. Uh, I think it is very, very important for India to realize that It's market size, the data quality and variety that we can potentially offer for development of new technologies. um, And the fact that Chinese companies are under pressure in many developed countries puts us in a great position to actually bargain. Absolutely. This is not something that we should throw away saying that, Oh, because we need them and they can provide us this. Of course we do. Hmm. But, but, At this point of time, given the way events around the world have been shaped and sort of the confluence of events gives India a strategic advantage, we're in a very strong bargaining position. And whatever we give as contracts, whatever option we take in terms of engaging, I agree with Nitin and General Menon on this, Um, we need to be negotiating harder to even give that inch. Um, Mm -hmm. that inch will benefit us yes of course but we need to be negotiating far harder Um, our data uh, for AI development is a massive massive advantage which the Chinese are cognizant of Um, so I think we need to negotiate very hard before we give away some of these things or under no circumstances should we be saying that we need them more
3: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I mean if uh, uh, Donald Trump has told uh, has ordered that Huawei equipment shall not be used within US 5G He's already taken this out to all US allies will be prohibited, especially those five eyes countries will be prohibited from using Huawei in their core network. And most US partners are going to follow suit. So, there's going to be massive pressure on uh, Huawei and Chinese uh, telecom manufacturing. You could look at this as a trade dispute, which is what Mm. we started off by saying. There is a trade element to this because this is obviously going to benefit the non-Chinese vendors, the European and the uh, US vendors. but. The trade is only secondary to strategy in this, right? And there is good there is good sense in what the Americans are doing. Yeah. The e- effect of that on a, on a business, Huawei, is you need a big market. Who yeah. are you going to sell this to? Yeah. You, you know, small yeah. countries of, uh, you know, Southeast Asia or Africa are not going to give you the kind of size uh, and depth that uh, you lost in the US and Europe. Only India can give you that. So commercially, I, I, that's what I'm surprised. Whoever wrote that article yeah. was smoking really small. <laughs> so it's it's the other way around. Yeah. India becomes far more important to the Chinese vendors if the Europeans and the Americans turn them out.
1: Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, uh, all three of you. And actually, this let's keep a close eye on this. Uh, space and especially the decision regarding 5g and what happens with Huawei and the takeaway for me was especially that when we are dealing with Huawei it's not just a market player we are dealing with we are dealing with a market player state player party player and probably a societal player as well so thank you all for joining okay thanks thank you Thanks.
0: thanks